Hey everyone, this is Brian with Church in the Loop. Happy Easter. So glad you can join us for today's message out of Matthew chapter 28. Let's pray and let's see what the Lord would have for us today. Lord God in heaven, we thank you for this beautiful day of life that you've given us. Lord, we receive it humbly because we know that this is a day of life that we've never had before. And so we receive it as a gift from you. And I pray that we would live it well for your glory, for your kingdom's sake. I pray that you would grow your kingdom through us today, Lord, in greater ways. Help us to put aside our selfishness and our greed and our desire to promote what we want, to seek your will first in all things, and help us to be a people who know how to do that and to do it well, not for our glory, but for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Speak to us now through your word. Amen. Well, I don't know about you guys, um, but we all have things that, you know, we think are kind of cool and that kind of catch our eye. And one of the things that I think is really cool, and this may be different for many people, so don't judge me, <laughs> but I think cigar boxes are really cool. Um, they basically are made out of wooden. They're like small little wooden boxes. And they're great for storage. Uh, they're, they, they're typically well-constructed. They're solid. Um, they have some really cool branding on them. And they usually have some kind of official stickers of authenticity on them. And they might even have, a uh, when you open them up and smell inside, just that slight hint of tobacco smell, which for some of you that sounds gross, and I respect that. For me, <laughs> I think that smells kind of cool. But anyway... They're great for like putting on your dresser and just taking those knickknacks, those necessary things that we carry around with us all day. It's a great place to put them, like your keys, your watch, your loose change, your wallet, maybe if you carry a pocket knife. It's just a nice little spot on your dresser inside that cigar box to put all those things. And I think they're just pretty cool. But what's interesting is you start thinking about boxes. We live in a world of boxes, and even right now, our lives are lived inside boxes. You're in a room right now, right? Think about it. You're in a box, a room. Maybe it's an apartment. Maybe it's a house. Your church meets in some kind of structure, um, so that's a box. Uh, you drive in a box with wheels. That's your car. Or maybe you take the train or the bus. It's still a box on wheels. Uh, your office job, your work, where you work is some kind of box. And one day, um, when you breathe your last, you'll be put in a box. So it's, it's kind of like um, we live our entire lives in boxes. And maybe that's why um, outer space has such an appeal to humanity. Because it's our way of trying to escape the box, trying to get out of the box. But the irony of that is to get to outer space, you still need a spaceship, which is basically a box with an engine on it to push you into outer space. And then when you get to outer space, you still have to live inside your spaceship, which is like a box. And if you want to go spacewalk and float around in space outside your spaceship, 
you still have to wear a special suit, which is just a tight-fitting box. <laughs> so, <laughs> so however you look at it, um, we can't break free from boxes. Think about it. We really can't. Um, it's, it's just virtually impossible for us. But Easter is the story of one man who did. We call him Jesus Christ, the God-man, because he was able to break free from the tomb, the box that they'd put him in. And none of us have that kind of power. So there's something that makes Jesus entirely different. And of course, we believe that something is that he's what we call the God-man, God in the flesh. We're going to look at a passage today that talks about that in Matthew chapter 28. But before we get to Matthew 28, we need to do a little background. So in our passage today, Jesus had been crucified on Friday, and now it's Sunday morning, on the third day. And because he's crucified on Friday, that's day one, Saturday's day two, now it's on the third day, Sunday. And on Sunday morning, some devoted women followers are coming to the tomb, and they're hoping to access it so that they can dress the dead body of Jesus with spices and fragrances as a way of finally honoring the dead. Um, it was a custom back then, and it had a practical aspect as well. You did, it was a way of hiding the smell of the decomposing body because the last thing you want is the memory of a person to be overcome by this, you know, the smell of a decomposing, of decomposition. That's, that's not a good smell. And so they would often anoint these bodies with these fragrances as a way to overcome that. So that um, if you smelled anything, you would smell the spices and the fragrance. Well, this is at the beginning of the Passion, or at the end of the Passion narrative, basically. But what, what's interesting is, at the beginning of the Passion, what we call the Passion narrative, the arrest and trial, and crucifixion, and resurrection of Jesus. At the beginning of that whole series of events, we have to go back to Matthew 26, because here's something very interesting. In Matthew 26, the disciples are saying, Hey, Jesus, um, we hear you know, you're talking about being arrested and, and that kind of thing, and we know there's people that don't like you. We know the current leadership, religious leadership in, in Jerusalem is kind of out to get you. But we just want you to know we've got your back and you can count on us. In fact, here's what they said. Jesus said in Matthew 26, 31, he said, You will all become deserters because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go ahead of you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Though all become deserters because of you, I will never desert you. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you this very night, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, Even though I must die with you, I will, deny, I will not deny you. And so said all the disciples. So there you have it in Matthew 26, this undying loyalty that they're confessing to Jesus, that no matter what comes, they're going to be by his side. And they will stay true and devoted and loyal. Well, go to Matthew 28, which is our passage for today, and you see a different picture unfolding. Let's look at our passage, 
And let's look at who are the people that are the devoted, loyal ones, in, even in the midst of this dangerous time. Starting in verse 1 in Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guard shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised. As he said, Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell who? His disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Now, none of us were alive back then. So none of us could witness this event. None of us could verify these facts but the story is written in a way that i think does verify the truth that this is really how it happened you'll notice in this story that who discovers the tomb empty first it's mary magdalene and this other mary in other words two women and and really mary magdalene was a very uh, she had a very troubled past um, some say, you know, scriptures, I think, indicate that she even was a prostitute at one time. So the bottom line is, is you have these, not just women, but the lead one, Mary Magdalene, who had this scandalous past. They're the first ones to discover and to be visited by the resurrected Jesus. Not the disciples, not the men. Now remember, back in Bible days, it was a man's world, so to speak. Women were supposed to just take care of domestic duties and basically raise the children. And so when it came to the courts of the court system, the judicial system, running of things, it was the men who provided all of the leadership in that, and there was no room for women. And yet, here you have, in this story, it's these women, and especially Mary Magdalene, the scandalous woman, discovering the message of Jesus risen first. Now, if this story was made up and Matthew was writing to just you know, trick us all into believing that Jesus did rise from the dead when he didn't, you would never do it this way because this is already unbelievable that you have women discovering this first. So you have this unbelievable uh, aspect of women discovering this unbelievable event. So it's like two unbelievables. and But the fact that it's written this way makes it believable because there's no other reason to write it this way unless it were true. And so Jesus, and then Jesus even receives worship from them. Now remember, this was written primarily to the Jewish community first, a strictly monotheistic community. Even Jesus in Matthew 4, when he had the confrontation with the devil, he said, worship God alone and serve him only. 
So for Jesus to receive worship from these women, something else is going on here. And that's why we call Jesus the God-man, because he is God in the flesh. So there's a lot going on here, and we could focus on a lot of different theological aspects of this story. But I really want to focus on one that I think we can all relate to. And it really strikes at the heart more than the mind. And those are usually the things that we remember the most and the longest. I want you to notice something. Jesus, when he rises from the dead here, and he talks to these ladies, he's talking not to his disciples, but to these, these ladies. And he gives them a message. And notice what he refers to in chapter in verse 10. How does he describe the disciples? Does he say, go tell my followers, go tell my associates, go tell my students? I mean, he's the rabbi teacher. They're his students. They're his disciples, his learners. He could have called them those things, and that would have been entirely accurate, but it didn't go far enough. He calls them brothers. Jesus takes the extra step to say, go tell my brothers. In other words, now he considers them as family. Now, why is that significant? Number one, he didn't have to take this extra step um, because it these were his disciples. It would not have been dishonorable to call them followers or disciples or students or associates. Everybody knew that. It would have been accurate. But Jesus took this extra step because he wants every follower to know that he sees you not just as a follower, not just as an associate, not just as an apprentice, but he sees you as family. Now, in Bible days, family was everything. Everything. It was more important than your job, the money you had, the education you were able to get, or even whatever opportunities came to you. Family was first. In fact, family was so strong that when a young man got married, he simply built on to his parents' house and raised his family attached to that same house he grew up in. That's how strong family was. Family was everything. And so there's three ways in which I think this really communicates to us. Jesus wants to call you family. Because number one, he wants you to know that as a follower, you always belong to him. There's a tribe that you're always belonging to. It's the Jesus tribe. And it's a tribe of people that spanned all cultures, all languages, all ethnicities, and all time throughout the whole world. And this is the Jesus tribe that now we are called brothers and sisters in with Christ. That's huge. 
it's, it's important because one of the greatest human needs that you and I have is for a sense of belonging. Uh, think about it. Why do we join clubs and groups to be a part of? Hobby groups, running groups. You know, in, in college they have fraternities and sororities, churches. You know, why, why do we like those things? Because it gives us a sense of belonging. It gives us a sense of, hey, these people have my back. I belong to them. Um, let's be honest. That's one of the reasons why gang culture is so strong in the inner city because it gives young people who maybe don't have a sense of belonging from their home a sense of belonging somewhere. And so Jesus recognizes that, and he wants you to know that as a follower of him, you belong to him. That's pretty cool. If you belong to Jesus, and he says that, that's pretty rock solid. I mean, after all, it's as rock solid as him rising from the dead, that you belong to Jesus. Nothing can change it. Just as nothing could stop Jesus from rising from the dead, nothing can stop the truth that you belong to Jesus. You belong. You belong in his kingdom. You belong in his future. You belong in his plans. You belong in his purposes. All of that is for you to belong to him and to join with him in bringing about change on the earth forever and ever and into eternity. You belong to Jesus. The second thing that I see in this is not only do you belong to Jesus, but Jesus calls you family because he believes in you. That's right. He sees your potential. He sees how you fit in his plans and in his purposes for this world and for eternity. He believes in you. He's chosen you. John 14, 12 says, Very, very, very truly, I tell you, Jesus said, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. So Jesus believes that you're going to do things like he does. And he says they're going to be even greater, which is pretty amazing. There's like no limits on that, because he's going to the Father and because he's taking his rightful place, reigning as the God-man for all eternity, he's sharing that reign with you as a brother or as a sister. Wow. <laughs> That's how much he does believe in you. Now, the world may not believe in you. The world may not see your potential. The world may not care. I remember there was a time when we first moved to Chicago I was trying to find a job, and the job market was really bad. It was right after the Great Recession, and it was starting to come back, but it was still rough. And I applied to over 200 places and could not get a job. It was so discouraging. And I felt like nobody could see my potential. I felt invisible. And it was humiliating. And you felt like a nobody. But Jesus wants you to know that you're not a nobody. 
that he believes in you. Believes in you so much that he even said you're going to do greater works than he did. That's how much he believes in you. He's not holding back on you. <laughs> the question is, are you holding back on him? And then there's one more thing about this that I want you to see. Why Jesus calls you family is because Jesus wants you to know how important and how rich and deep his blood is to you. Jesus' blood saves you so much that anything less than being called family wouldn't be good enough. His blood saves you so much and transforms you so much from the inside out that any word less than family wouldn't do it justice. Now, Yesterday, I donated blood. Uh, it's the second time I've done it in a few months, and it feels good. It's, I mean, not, <laughs> the act doesn't feel good when they prick your arm to insert the needle. It kind of hurts um, a little bit, and then I just don't look, you know, but it takes about 30 minutes or so. But what's neat about it is, is it feels good in the sense of, they say every time you donate blood, you save about three lives. That makes me feel really good. That makes me feel like, wow, yesterday I saved three lives. Isn't that cool? How? By donating blood. But here's the thing. My blood given to others is a blessing. And it, it may save three lives. But it doesn't make those people my family. If, if I donate my blood to you, that's great if it saves your life. But that doesn't make you my brother or sister. It's not that powerful. It doesn't transform you to be like me. It may help you, but it doesn't transform you. But Jesus' blood go, does something more. Not only does it help us and get our, the forgiveness we need with God as that perfect sacrifice, it literally transforms us from the inside out. It's almost like we're getting a spiritual blood transfusion from Jesus that every day changes us more and more from the inside out to be like Him and His character. Ephesians 1.7 says, In Him, that's Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So we have this incredible gift of forgiveness of our sins in accordance with God's grace and it's all made possible by the blood of Jesus. That's pretty powerful stuff. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 18 and 19 says, You know that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your ancestors, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. So the blood of Jesus changes us from the inside out. It, it, it gets our redemption. It secures our redemption. But it also goes a step further and changes our identity. So not only does it change your destination of where you're going to spend eternity, but it changes your identity to now be a child of God, a 
brother or sister of Christ. That's pretty powerful. So, here we have Jesus saying to these ladies, Yes, I've risen from the dead. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. Not my associates, not my followers, not my disciples, but my brothers. Now he's calling them family. And he's calling you and I family. Why? Because he wants you to know that you belong to him. He wants you to know that you, he believes in you. And he wants you to know that his blood is changing you from the inside out. Now, as we wrap up for today, and we think about Easter, I want you to think about how Jesus calls you a brother or a sister. He doesn't just call you a follower or a Christian. He calls you a brother or sister. Think of these three ways that add depth to what that means, that kind of unpack that. I was glad to donate blood. Um, I really feel like, and I'm not trying to be, um, I can't tell you how to live your Christian life, but I really feel like as Christians, we should do that. I feel like donating blood is a great way in this modern age we're in to love our fellow human people around us. I mean, what what better way to than to donate blood because you're you're giving of yourself in 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 a real way that's very it's sacrificial. It is, but it isn't, but it is. And I was glad to do it. Now, what's interesting is in the world of blood type, there's different kinds of blood types. Not everybody can just have the same blood, medically speaking. There's certain blood types that don't mix with others. Now, my blood type is a little bit different. It's O positive. And the O positive blood type can basically be given to almost everyone out there on the earth that they can benefit from my blood type, which is maybe one of the reasons why they... They kept calling me saying, hey, Brian, when are you going to donate again? When are you going to donate again? And I was like, oh, I'm thinking about it. I'm getting ready. And then I got my COVID vaccine, and so I wanted to wait until I had time to process that. And and so now was the time. I said, sure. But there's one group of people on the earth that cannot accept my blood type, and that is the O negative group. The O negative, I'm O positive, but there is a group called O negative. They cannot take my blood type. Everybody else can, but them. And it's just some kind of scientific reason why that I cannot explain in this sermon. (laughs) But for Jesus and his blood, it's for all people everywhere. There is not one person, not one group or type of people on the earth that cannot accept and receive his blood. My friend, have you? Have you let Jesus transform you from the inside out? Jesus broke free from the boxes of this world. And he wants you to live life out of the box. He wants you to break free. But you got to go through his box, the empty tomb, to do it. And the way to do that is by letting him be your Lord, your Savior, the, the 
God of your life, at the root of who you are, the most important thing you have, which is Him. And when you do that, not only does He call you a friend, He calls you family. You belong to Him. He believes in you. And His blood forgives you of your sins and brings about change every day. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for the person listening right now that needs to break free and live life out of the box. But they have never gone through the empty tomb to do it. I pray, Lord Jesus, that this would be their day to say, yes, Jesus, I believe that you have a life for me that's out of this box, out of the box of this world to be truly different than I could ever dream of on my own. But it starts by believing in you as my Savior, as my Lord. I give my life to you. I pray right now for the listener who needs to do that, that they would do that right now. And my friend, if that's you, just surrender your heart to him and say, Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and I give my life to you. Help me now to live for your glory out of the box in all that I do and all that I say. And Father, for those of us who have made that decision, maybe even years ago, I thank you that Easter reminds us of how important it is and how our lives can truly be different because of it and truly out of the box. We love you and we trust in you and we give our heart completely to you. Thank you for calling us family. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen.